You're listening to episode 68 of the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we talk about integrity and living your truth. Welcome to the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we explore how to use the science of psychology, Eastern spiritual practices like mindfulness and compassion, and the game-changing work of self-coaching so you can free your mind and free your life. I'm your host, Anna Verzoni. Hey, hey, Rebels. First, I wanted to apologize for the sound quality of this episode. I'm on Maui and my podcast stuff is on the big island, so I'm using my phone headset. But hey, you know what I preach. I'd rather do it imperfectly than not at all, right? So aloha and thanks for understanding. All right. Now, many of you know I've struggled with anxiety for a long ass time. And we know that some of us just have a genetic predisposition towards anxiety, a more sensitive nervous system that gets put on alert a lot more easily than others. Add to that some traumatic childhood experiences and we're off to the races with anxiety, right? But over time, as I've learned to manage the physiological aspects of it better with like getting quality sleep, some key supplements, meditation, and exercise regimen, my anxiety has become more of a compass for me. So I no longer wonder if I'm overreacting, right? Now I ask myself, hmm, what is this anxiety telling me about what's going on right now? Nowadays, I use it as a way to gauge if I'm living in integrity, in alignment with my values, because what I've noticed is that I often feel anxiety when my outside life doesn't represent my inner life, my core values, desires, and most importantly, my truth. What I've noticed is that when I live in integrity, I'm content, peaceful, and grounded. And I wake up easily, I sleep deeply, and when I'm not, When I lash out in anger, when I don't use my speech mindfully, when I exaggerate the truth, when I forget somebody's birthday, when I don't speak out, when I feel moved to, if I overdrink and wonder if I did something embarrassing, or when I overeat and feel lethargic and unhealthy, when I overwork and don't spend as much time as I want to with my family, my muscles tighten. I start to notice a little hollow sensation in my belly, a little nausea, like a sinking feeling. My heart feels restless. I take longer to fall asleep. I wake up too early. My mind spins. I feel like I'm not totally inhabiting my body. So is something wrong? Yeah, but I used to think it was something external threatening me. And now I see that when this arises, it's a sign that I'm not embodying my truth. So that's what I wanted to jam about today, living your truth. You know, when I started my biz about 10 years ago, my tagline was discover your power, live your truth. And here we are 10 years later, and that call to live your truth still holds true for me and how I coach. You are precious, unique, and unlike no other in this world. And we need you to live your truth. What if that was your purpose? Not some thing implanted into you that you were to bring into fruition, but something that you decided to bring forth, something you created, something you tapped into by learning who your authentic self is. And that all you had to do on this planet was to live your truth. 
much of what causes us suffering is rooted in us not living our truth, not living in integrity. When we're not living our truth, we do things like people-pleasing, continuing to buffer with negative habits like overeating, overdrinking, overnetflixing, staying in stale relationships, negative habits, all point to what happens when we're out of touch with what truly makes us feel whole. And as an aside, we also have research that shows links between living in integrity and alignment with our truth and maintaining good health. The entire field of psychoneuroimmunology focuses on the way psychological stress, which includes the stress of lying, living out of alignment, keeping secrets, how that contributes to illness or wellness, right? Studies have linked deception to the physiological stress response, including elevated blood pressure and heart rate, higher cortisol and other stress hormones, a decreased immune response, as well as abnormal cholesterol and blood glucose, right? And interestingly, the more significant our deceptive behavior, the more significant it is what we're trying to hide the truth from, the worse effect it has on our health. And that's kind of crazy, right? Because there are so many of us that have secrets that we are keeping. So a big part of living our truth is not lying, being honest. And I don't just mean being honest with others. This path also involves being radically honest with ourselves. When we conform to group and cultural norms, betraying what we deep down know to be the truth, it takes a toll on our physical and mental health. And Often we try to fix it with like tolerating BS, right? Or telling ourselves we're being compassionate when really we're just not wanting to take the risk of telling the truth or by people-pleasing again, right? But the real level at which to change things here is on the spiritual level. And I want to interject here that to do any of this, we also need to know ourselves and our values, right? There'll be some links to episodes to help you do this in the show notes, right? But integrity is living in alignment with our values as well. And you need to know what those are to do that. But I really want to focus on living our truth here for a bit in this particular episode. Now, the the root word for integrity, integer, means whole, not in pieces. So it makes sense that when we are living out of integrity, when we're only living a part of our truth and not embodying our whole selves, that we will experience some level of distress. And I want to invite you, well, it's more of a challenge, right? To show up as your true self without lying, right? It's time that we end these lies that we have, like just to make people feel comfortable or lies of denial, or even these lies of Kindness, meaning like inauthentic kindness. Now we can start small. Like how many times have you taken a cookie or something when someone offered it just so you don't make them feel bad, even though you were trying to cut back on sugar, right? We all know those cookie pushers, right? The sugar pushers. (laughs) Or maybe we don't exaggerate the truth. So when we say how much, like if someone says, hey, how much did that cost? We can say, oh, it actually costs this much instead of lying and saying it costs way less to hide how much we really spent on it, right? Or when you're having sex and your lover asks you, is this okay? And you're like, actually, I'd prefer it if you did it like this instead. Are you getting a little uncomfortable yet? Good. It makes sense that you are because honesty 
is courageous. And that's usually not very comfortable. I want to offer here the concept that living in integrity is also a rebellious act. The path of integrity often makes one a rebel, right? A social renegade. Because let's face it, being honest is counterculture. Because when we live a life in integrity, we need to be willing to let go of other people liking us. But really, in that case, they'd be liking us for living a lie. So what good is that anyway, right? It might lead to changes in material success, and it will undoubtedly shift our self-image. And we're pretty much taught to say and do what will keep others around us comfortable, what won't shake things up. And let me tell you, living your truth will shake shit up. As Martha Beck says in her book, The Way of Integrity, the imminent threat of someone abandoning group norms foments social resistance at its strongest level. Bam. Truth, right? Almost every time I've seen a client say that they're making a big shift to stay true to who they are, like quitting a job or leaving a relationship, the people around them start to question them. They bargain with them, trying to keep them where they are. Like I remember when I was talking to people about um, leaving my first marriage, which was not horrible. People, you know, were questioning it. Are you sure? That's really scary. Like, who knows what will happen to you? Yada, yada. All kinds of stuff. Trying to keep me where I'm at, right? But don't fall for it. People are reacting to a rebel in their midst. When you choose to leave a career, you know, like when when I left full-time midwifery, it was like, why are you leaving? You're so good at it, right? Again, reacting to a rebel in their midst. It's threatening to see someone really challenging the idea that we should do what's safe and secure. And why leave something that you're good at? Whoa, that's so crazy, right? So now I want to speak to something important here. We also need to live our truth with wisdom and compassion. Sometimes speaking the truth, especially for BIPOC, LGBTQIA+, and people identified by society as women, leads to aggression, social isolation, violence, and persecution. That's real. So this needs to be done keeping that in mind. Safety first. And you know your situation best and when it will be safer to do so. So use that wisdom, but check it against if it's from fear of being uncomfortable or fear of actual likely consequences that would be devastating for you. I want to offer that most of the time, our fears that we have about what might happen are often a lot larger than the reality of what would happen. And again, this needs to be put into context and is much more likely to be literally dangerous for oppressed people, yeah? Now, we can start to live in integrity and in truth despite the discomfort it will create, right? Don't let anyone else judge you for what you decide. Just like your reasons, okay? For all of us, it may be hard and uncomfortable. When Martha Beck told her story of her sexual abuse as a child and leaving the LDS church and later coming out as gay, 
there was a lot of damn discomfort for her and everyone else involved, but it's not a reason to not do it. In her story and in the stories of other truth tellers, what came of it was the ultimate freedom of knowing we are living an authentic life. All right. Now, another potential pitfall to watch out for is self-righteousness. We can actually derive pleasure from self-righteous rage. So we need to watch out for that. It's only when we commit to honesty, especially with ourselves, that we will be able to identify our blind spots and our tendency to dehumanize the other, leading to this self-righteousness. And it's only when we live a life of integrity that we become aware of our own shortcomings and biases. Otherwise, these realizations can escape us and lead us to harm others. So on that note, let's dive into the compassion part of these two wings of wisdom and compassion. Another thing to keep in mind is that this does not mean that you go around speaking hurtful things that only feel true to you without considering how it will impact others. This is different from people-pleasing in that the reason comes not from wanting others to like you or accept you or so that you can avoid feeling uncomfortable. Instead, with compassion, the reason you might withhold from saying something comes from wanting to ease the suffering of someone else, from an authentic desire to ease that suffering. There's a fine line between people-pleasing and compassion. That's why we can convince ourselves it's one or the other at times when it's not. It's up to you to start practicing so you can tell the difference. But this is also why, when in doubt, it's good to err on the side of honesty. Because at first, we can often fool ourselves into believing that something is an act of compassion instead of people-pleasing. One way to start to get to know the difference and also to start understanding what's true for you is to use your body compass, as Martha Beck likes to call it. She talks about a yogi friend of hers once telling her, the body truth goes ahead of the mind lie. So good, right? So we check. When we want to take an action and speak our truth or not, does it lead to constriction in our body, a closing off? or a sense of expansiveness, ease, and freedom. Some people ask about if someone says, how do you like my dress? And you don't like it, then what do you say? And I've been in this scenario a lot, right? And usually I say something like, well, it's not my style, but you're totally pulling it off. Remember truth. If you think someone looks bad in an outfit, is that true? If something someone cooks tastes bad, is that true? true in a universal sense? So these are the questions we need to ask. Like Byron Katie says, can you absolutely know that this is true? Now, if someone's offering you a cookie and you're trying to be healthier and cut back on sugar, you can say, I'm cutting back on sugar, so no thank you. And some sugar pushers will stop there. Others will keep pushing. Hold your ground. This is a good place to practice. It's your health. Now, Here's an example where it can get gray. I don't usually eat gluten. I say I eat gluten when it counts. I don't have celiac disease or anything. I just have a gluten sensitivity. So occasionally I'll eat special wood-fired pizza made with Italian flour or a perfect croissant or a killer artisan sourdough loaf, right? If I do that rarely enough, it doesn't impact my health as much. So anyway, 
my husband's grandma's Italian. And the first day I met her, when we were still dating, she made homemade raviolis, right? It's like authentic Italian grandma homemade raviolis. I was so stoked. So we sit down to dinner and my husband, who was then, you know, we were just dating at the time. He's like, oh, Anna doesn't eat gluten. And she was like, what? (laughs) So I like kick him under the table, right? I mean, he was trying to do me a favor, but anyway, is it true that I don't eat gluten? No, actually, it's just that I rarely eat it. So who gets to decide when that time is? Me. What was more true than trying to avoid gluten? That eating this meal would bring all of us joy. Not that I wanted to avoid an uncomfortable situation, but that I felt a stronger truth to eat this beautiful meal, lovingly made, and I would truly enjoy it. And I wouldn't get sick since I can tolerate homemade gluten meals like much more easily. I mean, if it was going to make me truly sick, sure, I'd have said something. But I would have also said something in advance to stay in my authenticity, right? Anyway, people pleasing in that situation? No. My truth? Yes. Who determines which is true? Me and only me. And for you, you and only you. So it's not black and white. It's not easy to know all the time what is your truth at first. But the more you practice using your body, listening to it, feeling into it, the easier your truth will be to recognize. The good news is living and speaking your truth does get easier over time. And then we begin to reap the fruits of the work and see how our lives are more free and eventually have more ease as a result. One time I was interviewed as a guest on a podcast and I was talking about the importance of living authentically. And I mentioned how it's fucking exhausting to not live authentically, constantly checking if people like us or if what we said was okay, or if we should have said or done things differently. I mean, literally it's exhausting. And the interviewer, he was like, oh my gosh, you are so right. It is exhausting. But when we live authentically, y'all, we are free on a whole new level. No more bullshit. No more sucking in the metaphorical stomach. We can just be and get on with making the most of this precious life. Think about examples where the truth set you free. I think about when I've left relationships that were stagnant or toxic. So freeing. You've had those experiences too, or at the very least have seen it in others, right? Okay, so we've covered some basics here about integrity, right? I spent a lot of time on truth and for good reason, but here's like a bit of summary on some of the things that that I've mentioned. So one, living with purpose, right? Now, you know, Buddhists have reincarnation as part of the paradigm. And it's said that being a human, being reborn as a human is the greatest opportunity you could have. And that other forms of life might not have the ability to control their lives or make choices to change their environment in a radical way or to set their destiny, that this is a uniquely human ability as far as we know. Obviously, there are things we we don't know. And I'm sure there's a ton in the animal world that we are yet to discover. But it's said that Being born as a human is as rare as one golden ring floating in the ocean and the odds of the one turtle in the ocean coming to surface with its head in the ring. 
Being human is a gift, one that we need to appreciate and grasp and take advantage of this time and opportunity in this precious life and act boldly with purpose. And it's not even in just sitting around eating the Doritos where a lot of us can get stuck. You know, the bigger problem is that we don't take the time or have the courage to even ask the deeper questions. So we prematurely settle. We set our expectations of ourselves and our life really low, right? These kinds of things end up on the back burner. And then we don't actually live our fullest life. And this is why in my programs, we spend so much time getting clear about what it is we want to create in this life. So the starting point to creating a life of integrity is to ask these questions in the first place about how do we create meaning and purpose in our lives and what that would look like for us. We need to be willing to not wait for some magical experience that tells us our purpose, but rather be willing to experiment with different callings and discover or even create our unique purpose. Then we organize our lives so that we intentionally prioritize that which is most important to us, right? What doesn't work is sitting around and expecting somehow that we'll just figure it out. All right, another thing is getting clear about our values and how we want to live our life. So just following, you know, what our heart's nudging is without a compass to guide us can potentially lead to like a greedy and narcissistic life, yeah, rather than one of integrity. So we want to filter this information of our wants and purpose and whatnot through our own values, our vision of a good life and being a a person that you can be proud of, showing up in a way that, that you're proud of. And you're doing this with your own set of values, not just those imposed on you by family and society, right? And you discover these over time. They change over time, right? But they also need to be prioritized, right? So we intentionally decide what those values are and prioritize them. Then we want to shape these values into behavior change, right? So if you're like, well, family is important to me, but just saying that, is not going to lead to effective change, right? So we get more clear. Well, what does it mean to really value family? What does that look like for you? Where does family fit into the other priorities of your life, right? How do you relate to them on a day-to-day basis? How do you treat them? How do you talk to them? We think about these details, right, to help us envision what that would look like and help guide our actions. So again, it comes from asking us those challenging questions, right? Now, the other thing is to learn the difference between what you truly want and what you think you should want. Because we can sometimes get confused and overwhelmed by all the choices, right? So we can have trouble, like I said earlier, identifying what it is we truly feel right? And then we have our inner critic pop up or guilt or something like that. When we struggle to kind of sort out the conflicting or different rules and expectations that come from our families and society. And then we get like really stuck in our heads trying to figure it all out. Now, Alexandra Franzen talks about the hut, the heart and the gut, the hut. (laughs) And it's similar to Martha Beck's idea of the body compass. So 
you know, our heart is where our sense of purpose lies, where our passion is, where our desires are, not the shoulds that, that our families and society have pushed onto us, right? And every time we listen to and act on that intuition, really, is another way to call it. However soft that is, we start to trust it the more we listen and act upon it. But again, this requires courage. It requires ziji, right? That, that really critical ingredient of integrity that's required because it is a rebellious act as you step away from what everyone else is doing and you listen to your own inner voice. So the next step then is to carry it forward into your everyday outer life. And this is where having a coach can be so essential. Like, as you all know, I always have a coach. I'm always getting coached because it works. <laughs> and I find that it's here in the application of the work that I personally need one in, in my life because my brain can get really tricky and talk me out of shit all the time, right? So the next thing is to have your outer life be in alignment with your inner life. And we ask ourselves, does my outer life represent my desired inner life, my values? So we need to make decisions that are aligned with our values. Our values guide us. They're our compass, right? So does our sense of purpose, our gut instincts, our heart's desires. And that doesn't mean that the decisions are easy, right? It's sort of like, oh, well, do I take a job that pays more and allows me to provide more opportunities for my kids, like going to the college that they want to or that they need to if they're studying in a particular profession or a less stressful one so I have more time to spend with them, right? It's not straightforward, right? This is where lifestyle design can come in so handy. It's why we focus on that in Freedom School as well, yeah? What you don't want to do is let the wind blow you this way and that in any direction, letting life and circumstances whisk you away on some kind of current. You want to be intentional and courageous. Integrity requires that you avoid automatically falling into the easier common path that everyone else thinks is right. And we need to stay open to change. That's another important thing because like I mentioned earlier, our values and desires and needs and wants, they evolve. They can change over time, just like everything else in life. So we want to be open to learning new things. And as a result, having some values shaped by that new knowledge and experience. All right. And lastly, like we've been jamming on a lot, live your truth. This is about living an examined life, one in which you're routinely asking yourself, am I living my most authentic life? Am I willing to disappoint others to stay true to myself? Sometimes thinking of a higher cause connected to our life can give us the courage to live and speak our truth, like remembering the preciousness of this life or how our gifts will have a positive impact on the world. I honestly believe that each and every one of us is unique and must live out our purpose. Like Martha Graham said, there is a vitality, a life force, a quickening that is translated through you into action. And there is only one of you in all time. This expression is unique. And if you block it, it will never exist through any other medium and be lost. Though it's hella hard at first, this process of living with integrity 
does get easier with practice. And as we find what we feared would happen rarely does, you start to acquire a kind of book of evidence that you'll be okay living your truth. So your next act of rebellion is to live a life of integrity. And through that, you will have a sense of purpose, emotional well-being, and a life more free of mental suffering. Creating integrity is not about being better than someone else. It's about believing you are already 100% worthy and lovable and that what you have to give to the world is 100% needed. And therefore, it is your duty to live a truly authentic life. Your duty, most importantly, to yourself and no one else. It's having the ZG to hear and embrace what your intuition is telling you, what your life is telling you, so that you can more fully become who you already are. It's about strengthening the connection to your most authentic self. So I want to offer you a little challenge. I'd like you to take the challenge of a no-lie commitment. What? You heard me right. No lying, not even the little ones, like taking the cookie you really don't want. You can do it for however long you'd like. You can start with a day, but I encourage at least a week. Eventually, give a 30-day no-lie challenge a try and see what happens. I bet you'll surprise yourself. (laughs) You'll definitely surprise those around you too, yeah? And remember, Rebel... The most important person you need to be concerned with being honest with is you. If you want to dive into this work more deeply and start living your truth, enrollment for Freedom School is open. Head over to joinfreedomschool.com and check it out. If you like what you heard, please spread the love and share it. And if you know you need some help with this and want to learn more about how to free your mind and free your life, go to rebelbuddhist.com and grab my free Rebel Buddhist Toolkit, where you'll receive a video training on cultivating resilience, access to the private Rebel Buddhist group where I do weekly live sessions on topics just like this, and a copy of the gorgeous Rebel Buddhist Manifesto, and more for free. That's rebelbuddhist.com.